Well, uh, we've been uh, ser- uh, doing a series on the Ten Commandments. We took a break for uh, a week or so, and now we're coming back. And so uh, let us review for just a little bit. Uh, the Ten Commandments are um, they're, uh, God's, God's words, God's uh, commandments to us as God's people, as God's children. And I want to say that the Ten Commandments are not the way to be saved. It's not like God gives us these rules and says, if you keep the rules well enough, then you'll be, be saved. If you live up to this standard, this very high standard, then I will accept you, then I will save you. The Ten Commandments are an obedience to the Ten Commandments are not the way to be saved. In fact, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel, they were already saved. They were already God's people. They'd already been liberated from Egypt. They'd already been rescued from slavery. They were already saved. And so God's commandments are not given to save them. And so why did God give us the commandments? God gave the commandments to those of us who are already saved so that we might live into God's salvation, that we might live lives of freedom. God saves us for the Ten Commandments so that we might live lives of obedience to him. And so therefore, the Ten Commandments are not stifling. They're not a straitjacket. The Ten Commandments, as we've said, are the limits that lead to freedom. Obedience to the Ten Commandments are are ways that we as Christians become more free as God's people. And so we've been looking at at each one of them. Uh, We've looked at the first, second, third, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and now we're looking at the Eighth Commandment. Do not steal. And uh, I want to begin this morning by talking about how relevant this commandment is. I mean, isn't this commandment incredibly, phenomenally relevant to us in our world? Do not steal. Uh, If you're here this morning and you've ever had anything stolen from you, raise your hand. Right, look around the room. This is almost 100%. So this commandment is being broken all the time. This is incredibly common, and so this commandment is incredibly relevant. And uh, I was reminded of this uh, this past week. Uh, as I said, I went uh, to a class in Orlando, and uh, I went to, you know, I flew into or- the Orlando airport, you know, and, and one of the things I did there was I rented a, a car from a uh, thrifty uh, rental car. Uh, great, great place, by the way. And so I went into Orlando Airport. It's a huge place. And so I walked all the way through, went through the, uh, you know, all through the terminals and finally went to the the place where you rent the car and waited in line there. Tons of people everywhere. And I got up to the counter there at Thrifty and I I paid for my rental car and and, and the lady was very nice and and got all my stuff and and went to the uh, parking lot to pick up my rental. And so I got in the car, you know, and, and packed all of my luggage in there. It was a little compact thing. And, and drove out of the, of the parking garage and, and almost drove all the way out of the airport. When finally I thought to myself, where is my laptop? And I looked down and, and my laptop is gone. It's not in the front seat. It's not in the back, back seat. Nowhere to be found. And I thought, oh, no. Fellowship Bible Church bought this for me as a gift. You, guys, you remember that? It was a gift from you guys. I was like, oh, no. Maybe it's back in the airport. Maybe it's at the rental car place. And so I d- turned around, drove back into the uh, parking garage, parked in there, ran all the way through the airport, uh, ran up to the, uh, the thrifty uh, uh, r- uh, rental car uh, counter there, and I realized that it was not stolen. So this isn't a confession here. It was still there. Um, so uh, I still have that. But here's what, I, what struck me about that. I was shocked that it was still there. Like, I was shocked because stealing is incredibly common, right? It happens all the time. If you forget to lock something up, if you leave something somewhere, you're shocked that somebody hasn't ripped it off. 
So this commandment is incredibly relevant. And stealing is so common in our world that much of our lives are spent taking measure to, measures to protect ourselves against it. Right? So we lock our doors. We have fences around our yards. We may have dogs. Uh, you may have a gun. <laughs> Uh, you may have a gun. You may have a car alarm. Um, it, you, I noticed that even when I was at seminary, there was in the Christian library, there were these two things you had to walk through, these scanners you had to walk through, and all the books had barcodes so that none of the Christian seminary students stole books from the library, right? And so we're, we're taking measures against this. Stealing is incredibly relevant. This is something that happens all the time in our world that we live in. And, uh, and, and this is a shame, you know, God didn't create our world like this. This is not the way it was supposed to be. Uh, we, God created a world where we were supposed to live in love to one another. Uh, stealing was, was, is part of the curse, it's part of sin entering into the world. This is not the way it's supposed to be, stealing, and yet it's incredibly relevant, incredibly common. But here's what, what I want to uh, ask this morning. I mean, here we are in church. I mean, we're all Christians, and I would wager that, wager that most of you haven't stolen anything officially this week. None of you, uh, you know, w committed burglary, burglary, probably. Uh, none of you, I, I don't think, probably stole this week. A few of us are officially guilty of this commandment, stealing. And what's interesting is I read a survey this week that... Uh, uh, even that 90% of American Christians say they have never broken the Eighth Commandment. So 90% say they've never broken the Eighth Commandment, which makes me think that maybe they're committing, uh, they're breaking the Ninth Commandment. Uh, do not lie. Um, but what I want to show you this morning is that stealing is probably more prevalent in your life than you might think. Because this, this commandment is deeper than you probably think. We, we break this commandment far more than we realize. And so I want to drill down, I want to look underneath it, I want to see what this commandment is really getting at and show us all the ways that we break this commandment. Um, sounds so encouraging, doesn't it? Uh, I want to show us three things. Uh, number one, we're going to look at how we break the Eighth Commandment. Second of all, we're going to see why we break the Eighth, eighth Commandment. And then finally, how we can keep the Eighth Commandment. So all the ways that we break it, why we break it, and then how we can keep it. Three things. And so first, how we break the Eighth Commandment. You shall not steal. Now, there's the obvious ways. Um, burglary, uh, robbery, larceny, hijacking, shoplifting, embezzlement, extortion. They're all the obvious ways that we break the Eighth Commandment. But there are a lot of ways that we break it that are not so obvious. There are a lot of ways that you steal that you are probably not even aware of. And so I want to just go through and just show you a few different ways that you might be stealing. Uh, even, maybe even this past week. And so first, a lot of us break uh, this commandment when we steal time from our employers. We break this commandment when we don't put, on a full, put, out, put in a full day's work at our place of business. All right, so we're wasting their time. Uh, we go to work, uh, we clock in, we, we clock out, but our time clock doesn't reflect the actual amount of time that we spent really working. Uh, there was an, uh, a 2011 study done by AOL that said that employees on average waste 2.1 hours per day. 2.1 hours per day. Uh, and that's in addition to their lunch hour at work. And so uh, most employers even set salaries assuming that this thing is going to happen. And so in this, this little survey, it mentioned all the different uh, time wasters that, we, that people have in their, in their place of business. 
And so I'm going to go through a few of them. Uh, one of the ways we waste time at work is on the internet. So video games, you know, Angry Birds, uh, online surveys and chat, room, chat rooms. We're on the internet. We have our spreadsheet up. As soon as the boss walks away, the spreadsheet is down, and up comes Angry Birds, right? Or up comes the email. And so we waste time by looking at the internet at work. Uh, we also uh, waste time at work through socializing. So fraternizing around the coffee table, talking to our friends, uh, talking to the person in the next cubicle. Um, we're wasting our employer's time as we are socializing at work, 2.1 hours per day. Um, another uh, time waster they had, uh, interestingly enough, is, uh, check this out, is spacing out. <laughs> so there you are, you know, just kind of out in la-la land uh, for who knows how long at work. Spacing out is another one. Uh, we waste time at work on personal business. And so maybe you've got a nonprofit or a, 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 your own business on the side, and so you're using your employer's time to, uh, to check email for your other business, to do research for your other business. And so we're doing this, stu this stuff at work, and there's a total, they said, of $759 billion on salaries uh, from which companies receive no uh, apparent benefit. So we're wasting our employer's time at work, and therefore we're wasting our employer's money. We are robbing our employers. Are you doing this? Now, I know we say everybody does this. I mean, who doesn't do this? But we as Christians ought to be different. Thou shalt not steal your employer's time. Well, there's ways that employers uh, steal as well. Uh, businesses can steal by doing um, things that are dishonest, um, less than honest business practices. So J.I. Packer, uh, he wrote a little book on the Ten Commandments. He says that many businesses fail to exchange value for money. Value for money. In other words, they give you a product that is not worth what you pay for it. And they know that. They do it knowingly. And so, uh, like I said this past week, I rented a, a rental car. And I got it on cheap tickets. When I went on, the, on cheap tickets, it said that for a week it was $190 to rent this car. When I got up to the, the line there, when I got up to the counter, she said, it's going to be $290. And I said, why? Well, there's this added charge, and that added charge, and this other added charge. It wasn't there at the beginning. This is dishonest. This is, this is stealing. Right? Businesses do this. Um, uh, another way businesses do this is they, uh, they give you a product that looks better or bigger than the way, what it really is. So you've ever bought a bag of potato chips? You, you guys have done this, right? You buy the bag of potato chips, and it's like, it's bigger thing, and I'm never going to be able to eat all this. And you open it up, it's 90% air. Like, what's going on with that? And, uh, you know, what we consider good marketing, the Bible considers stealing. And so businesses could do this. Business, businesses could do this by not uh, paying their employees what they're worth. In fact, James 5.4 says this, the wages of the laborers who have mowed your field, you have kept back by fraud, right? So James is envisioning a, a situation where employers, or employers are not paying their workers uh, enough money and they're not paying them on time, right? And so there are sweatshops. We don't like to think about this, but there are sweatshops on other sides of the world where people are being exploited by employers to make money. Do not steal, the Bible says. Uh, we can do this by not paying our debts. Uh, you know, we, you, we all know that we live in a society where credit card debt is huge, and uh, all kinds of debt is huge, and I know that oftentimes we have to go into debt. Uh, you know, I've got a mortgage, I'm paying off a car payment, I'm paying off my student loans. 
And a lot of times, this is, these are just sort of necessary. We've got to do it. And, and sometimes you don't pay back your loans because you get in financial trouble. But if, you, but if you fail to pay back your debts on time, when you could, the Bible talks all over about this. This is considered theft. And so you're in debt. You have the money to pay your debt back. And, but instead of paying it back, you go into more debt. And you use your credit card again, and you go further and further. Um, at some point along the way, this could be considered stealing by not paying your debts on time. Um, you can steal ideas from other people. This is called plagiarism. Uh, all right, so if you're students, uh, you know, I've been, a, I've been a teacher at a school. We know who you are. Uh, we, we can see how you've lifted those things from the pages of a, of, of a, of a published book, and we, you put it in your own papers. Uh, students do this all the time. People in businesses do this all the time. You take, you take credit for somebody else's idea. Right? Preachers do this sometime by, sometimes by lifting full sermons off the internet from, um, from other uh, preachers. I've never done this. Um, preachers can do it. We can steal ideas from other people. You can even steal from God. You know, uh, the Bible in the, the Old Testament book of Malachi, my, my friend used to call it the only Italian prophet, Malachi. But it's, <laughs> it's Malachi. And Mal- Malachi, at one point, he says, he looks at the people, you like that, Stan? Uh, he, he looks, Malachi looks at the people of Israel and all the leaders, and he says, you're robbing from God. And they say, how have we robbed from you, God? How have we robbed from God? And he says, by failing to give your tithes and offerings. You know, it all belongs to God. And so when you fail to be obedient and, and give to God what he's commanded you to give, God calls that robbery. Are you feeling guilty yet? There are many ways that we can break this commandment. I mean, there's the official way of actually robbing people and extortion and things like that, but there are all sorts of ways that all of us are robbing and, and stealing every single day, every single week, every single hour even. Are you a thief? Uh, John Calvin put it this way. He said, thieves are not only those who steal the property of others, but those who seek gain from the loss of others, accumulate wealth by unethical practices, and listen, and are more devoted to their own private advantage than to equity. Right, so do you see that there is a, a, a huge amount of ways that we could be guilty of this particular commandment? And God wants us to be different as his people. He wants us to be people of integrity. You say, everybody's doing it. God says, I want you to be different. I want you to be honest. I don't want you to steal. Even in subtle ways, I want you to be people of integrity. This is how I want you to live in this world. And so how we break the, 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 the eighth commandment. But secondly, let's ask the question, why do we steal? Why do we break the eighth commandment? Not only how do we break it, but why do we do this? And this is such an important question to ask. And, you know, whenever you're looking at one of these Ten Commandments, don't just ask yourself, do I break this commandment? You always need to go a little bit further and ask the question, why do I break it? What's going on in my heart? What is the motive? What's driving me to do this? If I'm being unethical, if I'm not a person of integrity, if I'm, if I'm taking advantage of people in very subtle ways, don't just say, hey, am I doing this? But why am I doing this? What's underneath it? What's driving me? Because you're never going to change your behavior until you begin to attack the reason why you're doing the behavior. And Christianity always tells us to do this. 
You know, don't just modify what you're doing. Go underneath, look at your heart, and ask yourself the question, what's driving me? What's my motive? Why am I being unethical? What's going on in my heart that I'm doing this? Why do we break the Eighth Commandment? And I was driving in the car this uh, yesterday, actually, uh, talking to Anita, and I'd already written my sermon. I didn't write my sermon this morning. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to see what she thought. I said, Anita, why do, you, why do you think people break the Eighth Commandment? And she said, Bryn, I think it's a mindset. I think it's a mindset that, we're, that a lot of us have from the very beginning, even when we're children. I think it's a mindset that is deep in our hearts. I think it's deep down inside. I think it's a mindset of take rather than give. And I thought, I'm going to steal that and put it in my sermon. She said, I think it's a mindset of take rather than give. In other words, you steal from other people when you have a mindset of not for you, but from you. When you have a mindset of not for you, but from you. I'm not going to serve you. I'm not going to love you. I'm not going to find out what is good for you. But I'm looking at you and saying, what can I get from you? It's from you instead of for you. And this is the mindset that leads to theft. And it's deep inside of us. I didn't have to teach my children about this. My kids have this from you thing down already. And it's this sort of deep gravitational pull in their heart. It's so natural. And you have to sort of teach it out of them. And then we grow into it as, as teenagers. And uh, I remember as a teenager, uh, and this, is, this probably shows how wicked my friends were in, in, in high school. But as I was a teenager, I remember the way that these guys looked at women was a from you instead of a for you mindset. And so you'd go out with a girl, and you'd get back, and all the peer pressure, they'd all gather around you, and they'd say, what did you get from her? How far did you get? What did you get from her? They didn't ask, what did you do for her? Were you, were you generous with her? Were you a gentleman? Did you care for her? Not a for you, but it was, what did you get from her? See, it's deep in us. And it's deep, deep in us when we go to our jobs. And we ask ourselves the question, what can I get from this job? You don't go into it thinking, you know, this, this, this company has a mission, and they've got values, and they've got a product, and they're trying to serve, uh, you know, their clientele, and, and what can I contribute? What can I give to this company? You don't go in saying, what can I do for this company? You go in saying, what can I get from this company? What can I get away with? What can I get from this, the, these people that I'm serving? You see, it's a from you instead of a for you. And as soon as that motive starts going on in your heart and goes on in your mind, then you are not far away from theft. And as employers, you can do the same way. You can say, what can I get from my employees? Not can I, what, what can I do for them? How can I develop them? How can I serve them? How can I you know, put, help them to use their gifts in a way that contributes to, to, the way, to the way society works? But what can I get from you? You see, it's a motivation. It's what's driving us. It is what can I get from this person? Not what can I do for them. <clears throat> Philippians puts it this way. Uh, he says, look, most of us operate on this principle. You are asking the question, what are, what are my interests? Not what are the interests of others, but what are my interests? And this is our mindset. And it's deeply ingrained, and it's driving us, and it's, it's causing us to lose integrity at work. This is what's underneath that stuff. You don't say, how can I serve or how can I love, but what can I get from these people? What can I get from my employer? And it leads us to steal. A deeply rooted problem. 
But then let's finally ask this last question, which is how can we keep the Eighth Commandment? I mean, here's this deep selfishness in us. You know, the, the Eighth Commandment, it's trying to get you down beneath, you know, you're stealing, but why are you stealing? It's wanting you to ask the question, what's going on in my heart? And am I selfish? Do I have this take, take, take mentality where I'm saying, what can I get from you instead of what can I do for you? It's wanting us to ask the question, how often am I operating on that principle? But then finally, it wants us to move us to how can we actually change? I mean, how can I be different? How can I be somebody who's not only not stealing, but somebody who's generous and loving? How can I become the type of person who in all of my dealings, whether it's at home or at the business or at work or wherever, I'm saying, what can I do for you? What can I do for you instead of what can I get from you? How can I change? How could I be different? Well, if we're going to see how this commandment changes us, finally we have to go even deeper and ask the question, what's going on in my relationship with God? You see, at the end of the day, our, our problem with theft has everything to do with our relationship with God. And all the commentators say this. They say when someone steals, when someone steals, it, all, it has to do with their failure of trust in God. Anytime you take advantage of somebody, anytime you start striving and reaching and trying to get something that's not yours, the Bible says it's not only your selfishness, it goes even deeper than that. It has everything to do with your ultimate trust in God. And let me read you a quote. This is Philip Ryken. Uh, I'm going to read it very slow. He says, Every theft is a failure to trust God's provision. Every theft is a failure to trust God's provision. Whenever we take something that doesn't belong to us, we deny that God has given us or is able to give us everything we truly need. Therefore, keeping the Eighth Commandment is a practical exercise of our faith in God's providence. He is saying this. He's saying when you steal, when you fail to have integrity, it has to do with your trust in God's provision. You don't believe that God can take care of you. You don't believe that God can give you everything that you need. You think, you believe that you need to take matters into your own hands, literally, and get what God hasn't given you. Every theft is a failure to trust God as your provider. You're not trusting him. If you look at the very beginning in, in, the, in the garden, the, the very first sin, Adam and Eve, have you ever noticed that the very first sin has to do with theft? They took the fruit. Why did they do that? You say, well, they were greedy. Yes, they were. They were selfish. Yes, they were. What can we get from God? Yes, that's what it was all about. But you remember the serpent. What did the serpent say? He came to Adam and Eve, and what did he tempt them from, for, about? He said, he said, God is holding out on you. God does not have your interest in mind. God doesn't love you. You can't trust him. He caused them to doubt the good provision of their creator. You've got to go out. You've got to grasp. You've got to get what God... And so it was a failure of trust. Every theft, every lack of integrity has to do with the way you view God. Is God wanting to get from you or is God a God who is for you? 
every time you steal, you really don't believe that God's for you. Before we end there, let me just, uh, if you go to the New Testament and you ask the question, did Jesus ever encounter a thief? Did, God, did Jesus ever encounter a thief? The answer to that question is yes, quite a bit. And there's one thief that he encounters. His name was Zacchaeus. Do you remember him? He was a tax collector. And uh, tax collectors were essentially thieves. What they were doing, it was legal in that day, but they were, um, they were going to the people, and they were charging taxes above what the taxes actually were, and they were pa- pocketing off the top. Zacchaeus was a thief. And Zacchaeus always believed he needed to get, 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 get. He looked at people and said, what can I get from you instead of what can I do for you? And what did Zacchaeus do? He was a wee little man, um, which is really not fair. <laughs> it's cruel to say that. Um, amen, Christian says that. Somebody last week called me the little pastor. <laughs> said, I want the little pastor to talk to me, which is really cruel. <laughs> Vertically challenged, right? That's the, that's the proper nomenclature, Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was a thief. And then Jesus comes to town, and he wants to see Jesus. So what does he do? I need to take, I need to take, I need to get, I need to somehow, by stealth, get at Jesus. Because you don't get anything for free in this world. And so Zacchaeus climbs up in a sycamore tree. Uh, Sycamore trees had limbs that hung down really low. And so he's able to get up there, you know, being a wee little man. He climbs up there, and he gets this wonderful view of Jesus' head. And then Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus. And what does he say to Zacchaeus? He says, I must have dinner at your house tonight. He looks at this thief and says, I must have dinner at your house tonight. When Jesus says that to you, he's coming over, right? You're going to let him come over. And so Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house, this thief. And what do they talk about? We have no idea. We have no idea what they talked about. But I imagine what Jesus sat down and explained to Zacchaeus is that he has a God who is for him. He has a God, maybe he even quoted the Sermon on the Mount, that, that God is, cares about the sparrows, and if he cares about the sparrows, how much more is he going to take care of you, Zacchaeus? And he explained to Zacchaeus that he was there for him, that he was, he'd come into the world for him, that he would eventually give his life for him. And there Zacchaeus understood finally that there was a God in heaven that was for him. What did Zacchaeus do when he left the house? Four times that I've stolen, I'm going to give away. I'm going to give away everything that I've stolen four times over. And Zacchaeus was changed, he was transformed, and the gospel wants to do this to you. Uh, Ephesians 4.28 says, let the, thief steal no, no, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see, here's the flip side of, the, of do not steal. It is share with anyone who has need. Listen, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've stolen. It doesn't matter how deep your lack of integrity goes. Jesus Christ is not afraid to meet you. 
and he is able to forgive you, and he has the power to change you into somebody generous. Do you believe that? You see, here's the power of the gospel. The gospel takes me people. The gospel takes people that say, I want to take, I want to take. I want to get from you. I don't want to be for you. And it says, there is a God who is for you. And he is so much for you that he gave his life on a cross to forgive you. And he's able to transform you on the inside to make you somebody who is generous and shares your possessions. And listen, when we do that, we become so much different. We stick out like a sore thumb. Batesville needs to see Christians that do not steal. Batesville needs to see Christians that because of of Christ, because of the gospel, have been transformed into people that share. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... um, do not steal, Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a command that at, the, at one, it, it seems so simple, and yet, Lord, so many of us are exploiting people and taking from people and living our lives on this, on this what's in it for me uh, mentality. God, I pray that you would change us. We thank you that the gospel uh, is an offer of not only forgiveness, but also of change. God, we pray this morning as we Take communion that you would uh, help us to understand once again in a very tangible way that you are the God for us. You are the God that provides for our every need. And God, we can trust you. And we can be generous. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.